This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. Hello, dear listeners. We're at the end of season three, which has been an exploration of how the rise of communism in Russia impacted the American Christian church. As part of that, I'm presenting a series of mini-episodes to highlight themes from the season. This is takeaway number five, it's easier to call people to a heritage than to a saving faith. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Heritage is important to many of us. It means something to belong to a people group those who look and think like us. This isn't just about countries of origin or race. I mean, heritage is involved in so many things. Think about something as simple as which sports team you might root for. If your parents are fans of a team, you are more likely to root for that same team. We inherit our ideas the same way. Maybe the political party you support, or even your religion. Many people who call themselves Christians in the United States grew up going to church, and that has become part of their identity, or their heritage. Heritage is not necessarily a bad thing. As Sky Jatani said in my interview with him, it's written into our being. We want to know who our people are because that tells us who we can trust and who we can't. An important survival mechanism, especially considering most of human history, is pretty nasty. We need to know our people. But that heritage gets us in trouble because we can't always see outside of it. When you're in it, it's hard to judge fairly. For example, I've known several young people who graduated high school, moved out on their own, and then realized that their family environment wasn't that healthy. Sometimes they realized that they were abused or neglected, or in some cases that their parents were engaged in an immoral lifestyle that they didn't know about, or that the education they got in high school was useless in college or in the real world. For these young people, it wasn't until they were outside of that little world that they realized what was going on. It wasn't until they saw that the world can be better that they realized that their upbringing wasn't the perfect existence they thought it was. I think the same is true with our bonding the United States with capitalism and Christianity. If you only study American history on our soil, it looks pretty good. But if we step just outside of our borders, we get a broader sense of the reality. That the United States, though a great place to live in many ways, is not 
always righteous. No nation is. That's the problem with bonding a faith to a country. One of the biggest critiques I've heard from this season is the idea that I didn't spend enough time allowing those who believe the U.S. is a Christian nation to speak. And honestly, I think that's fair. To my credit, I went looking for people to present the pro-Christian America argument. I actually booked an interview with David Barton, who I met at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention a few years ago. He and his family have made careers out of promoting the Christian nation idea. Then I read some of his materials. Most of what I read was easily debunked. If it was official documents mentioning God, that God was ceremonial, nonspecific. If it was a speech delivered by a founding father, it didn't match up with their private beliefs. In some cases, he weirdly just name-dropped a historic person who believed this was a Christian nation. Does the opinion of one rando constitute proof that this is a Christian nation? No, that's not proof. It's just one person's perspective. I simply couldn't find compelling evidence. And it may be out there, I'm just one guy, and maybe I didn't find it. But in all my studies of media and media ethics, time and again, I've come across an idea that may sound controversial, but I stand by it. Journalists aren't supposed to simply cover all opinions. They're supposed to reveal the truth as best they can. Weed out false narratives. So that's the route I chose to take. When I did the episodes asking if the U.S. is a Christian nation, I talked to Dr. Greg L. Frazier from the Masters University. I asked him why we as a church have spent so many resources presenting the United States as a Christian nation. And what he said really struck me. It's easier to call people back to a heritage than to call them to something new and radical. It's easier to say, we used to be like this, and we've lost it, we need to go back, than it is to call people to Christianity, with real Christianity, which is radical. Let's consider that again. It's easier for us to call people to a heritage than to a saving faith. Again, heritage is not a bad thing. The habits of going to church as a kid, youth group, daily Bible study, church camp, all that stuff is good. It builds positive habits. But that stuff on its own isn't a relationship with Jesus, what actually saves you. It can point you in the direction of that relationship. It just can't save you on its own. Heritage is helpful in that way. It points us to something deeper. Morals, community, good habits. But it doesn't necessarily change why we do something. There's a big difference between me giving my brother a gift because I want to and giving him one because I have to. The value of the gift changes dramatically depending on my reason for giving it. The value of my church attendance changes depending on whether or not it's because of a habit or because I want to be there to commune with God and his people. Calling the United States a Christian nation is a way for us to bundle a bunch of positive things all together. It gets us morality from religion and patriotism that helps us figure out who our people are. It's easy to ingrain into the culture because of things like the Pledge of Allegiance or God being on the money. It's a quick fix, but it isn't enough to save. 
when people ask me my opinion if this is a Christian nation, and again, this is my opinion, I say no, but being here doesn't make you a Christian, just like sleeping in a garage doesn't make you a car. No, the actions of the United States are not inherently godly, as I demonstrated this year with stories about Guatemala, Congo, and anti-Semitism. I could have done more about the Vietnam War, Afghanistan, or our handling of the Edward Snowden revelations, but I figured we'd had enough. No, the core eight founding fathers were not Christians themselves. No, the laws of this country are not explicitly Christian. You can find commands to not murder, lie, or steal in many belief systems, even those not rooted in religion. But I think we can make the argument that there is a Christian ethos to this country, sort of a cultural through line. Let me explain. I know this may sound crazy, but I think it's akin to reading books by John Steinbeck or Stephen King. Both consistently make references to the Bible in their books. Steinbeck alluded to Old Testament stories in East of Eden and The Grapes of Wrath. Stephen King books bring out Bible verses and themes. I mean, do you remember The Green Mile? The book and the movie are pretty similar. It's about a man who is wrongfully accused and sent to death row. Once he's there, he has supernatural powers to heal the injuries of others by breathing in their pain. Then he's put to death for crimes he didn't commit. You know, kind of sounds like a messiah figure, right? Is it a Christian book? No. Are there traces of Bible stories in there? Sure. Are John Steinbeck and Stephen King books Christian? No. I doubt that anyone reads Carrie, Misery, or It and comes to Christ. Stephen King uses biblical themes and stories as a sort of open source backbone to some of his stories, but the similarities end there. They're interesting if you're in the know, but you don't need to be a Christian to read them. Being one helps you understand the themes inherent in the works. Just like being a Christian or knowing the Bible helps you understand the character of the American people. It helps you see the nuances, the themes. I wanted to revisit this idea because I think it's time to nudge the American Christian church in a healthier direction where we're focused less on heritage building and more on sharing Christ with others. I understand that many of us are upset when we see public religion eroding. First, remember that a lot of those public religion ideas are pretty new. Many of them have only been around since the 1950s. Second, and most importantly, our lives are the monuments that really count. Sure, people can look at slabs of granite and learn the Ten Commandments, but when they see a Christian who is really living for Jesus, they see not a cold slab of stone, but the one who rolled the stone away. And isn't that way more valuable? So that's why takeaway number five is, it's easier to call people to a heritage than to a saving faith. But that heritage is not enough to save on its own. That's it for season three of the Truce Podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure to go on this journey with you. And I could have done yet another year on this, but I think it's time to move on. In the coming months, I'll be releasing a lot of really good stories I've acquired over the last year and a half, but wasn't able to release. We'll hear from historian Adam Hochschild, 
author and podcaster Jamar Tisby, Caitlin Shess, and more. In the meantime, God willing, I'll be working on a new thematic season that will explore the rise and fall and rise of Christian fundamentalism. There is a lot of great content coming your way. Hit the subscribe button in your podcast player so you get every new episode as it's released. I'm doing my best to juggle the full-time job of making this show and my paying full-time job of driving a school bus. It's a lot of stress and long hours. My goal is to do this show full-time. That would mean more frequent episodes, deeper research, more in-person interviews with guests, and so much more. Together, we're telling the Christian market that Christian media can be deep, fun, and high quality. If you'd like to be a part of what I'm doing here, please consider becoming a monthly patron of the show or make a one-time gift. You can learn how at trucepodcast.com donate. While you're there, you can find a page for every episode that includes artwork, links for my guests, discussion questions, research notes, and more. I don't have a marketing team for this show, so I'm relying on you, the listeners, to help spread the word. Please call or text a friend and let them know you support the Truce Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. God willing, I'll have a new episode in two weeks. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce.